It's Amber Bradley, your host for the unscripted side of LP. It's Talk LP Podcast Time. What's up, Talk LP Podcast fans? It's Amber Bradley. We are back in the podcast hot seat. Super stoked to welcome Chris Hamlin, Vice President of Asset Protection for Saks Offit. I have to tell you, I was very nervous about what I was going to wear today because <laughs> your first of all, your brand is like super luxury, like so cool. You know, it's like, oh, it's a, it's an icon. Yeah, you know, it's funny, you know, Saks Off Fifth uh, has become that premier destination of luxury off-price fashion. And, you know, that, that's yeah. what we stand for. That's who we are. Man, I got to tell you, it's uh, it's pretty cool, especially because you, you were working for an iconic brand. It's like, you know, you can't go to New York, which I, I try to get up there often because I love it, um, without going to Saks. It's crazy. And that's pretty neat, right? I mean, do you feel it as the culture there, you know? Absolutely. Yes. Yes, it is. Super iconic, like you said. Okay. So welcome to the podcast, Hot Seat. We are super (laughs) stoked to have you. And I was going, uh, so I know off camera, I'm like, okay, we try to stick to these questions, but you know, he's watched the podcast folks. He knows that we don't exactly stick to the questions, but I do want to, I was going through your background. I was like, man, you got a really cool background and I have some specific questions about it, but why don't you tell our audience just a quick, like, update on yeah. who you are, what you're doing for Saks Off Fit and, you know, where you came from. It's awesome. Sounds good. So, you know, it's funny. I, I look back and I think about it now. I've been in the industry uh, for a little bit over 25 years in, in the asset protection realm um, or more so the retail industry. Uh, and I say retail because when you look at my past and you, and you look at where I've been, you know, I started out very heavily in, in the asset protection, loss prevention, security space. Uh, and then I, I took a pivot uh, and I took a pivot over into the operations world. Uh, and I, I spent some time within that space, uh, had fun in that space wanted to even grow even further. Uh, and so I took a, a lattice move over into the selling space and became a GM for a couple of years uh, and really enjoyed that. You know, at the end of the day, it kind of gave me a lot of information or not a lot of knowledge for me to come back into the asset protection space and really serve as a pivotal leader to the organization, now having operations, having selling underneath my, my you know, in my wheelhouse at that point, and now coming back into AP and being that well-rounded partner to really drive the business and, and ensure that we are protecting our assets to the highest levels possible. Yeah. So you knew I was going to go there like right away because I was looking at your background. I was like, okay. And of course this podcast, we interview all types of executives and you know, there's not many honestly that have made it to your level, like vice president title that haven't made a divergence on their path. Right. Because I'm looking, I'm like, okay, yeah, LinkedIn, here he goes, here he goes, going up the ladder. Regional VP of Ops and Asset Protection for Macy's. We almost spent 15 years there. And then when you said you took a pivot, I mean, you were like store manager. I was like, (laughs) that had to be terrifying. It was was super scary. I'll tell you, you know, like when... In, in in the space, they talk about taking lattice moves. And so, you know, like this was one of those lattice moves. It was, it was out of my comfort zone. Uh, and I had a career mentor that, that had told me, they said, hey, you, you got to, at some point, you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And when you're sitting in that space of always being comfortable uh, in, in, that, in that wheelhouse or in your area where you're always comfortable, you don't thrive. You don't push the hardest. And so, uh, and, and, and he really helped me to understand. He said, like, what is it? 
what's the difference between an operations guy and a store manager? Or what's the difference between an AP guy and a store manager? And, and when you really think about it, you know, the, the business functionality changes, but at the end of the day, we, we are still going after profitability. We're looking at how do we keep the prop, keep the items in the store? How do we sell it to the customer? And how do we really enhance that, that shopping experience that's going to cause her to buy more or want to shop more with us? And so, you know, when I, when I took at it, it, it took it into consideration, I really thought about it. I said, why not? I can do this. I, I can definitely do this. I, I know the numbers piece. Uh, I know the people piece. I said, Let, let's go. Let's do this. And I had some fun. I, I got to tell you, it was a highlight of my career and definitely got me to the place of where I am today because I see the business in a much different level than I ever did when I was just solely an AP guy or, or a security guy. Well, it's interesting because I look back on my career and I think, oh, well, that was really smart of me to do that. You know, move, take this other move. And it taught me all this stuff. But in the moment, I was like just some dumb kid that that got lucky by making this decision. And then I'm looking back on, man, really strategic, Amber. Good job. So relating that to you, like I am often envious of young, because I mean, at that point you're young in their yeah, career, yeah. right? Absolutely. And so were you like, did you literally, you had that in your head? You're like, you know what? For me to get to where I am, I got to do this. Or you were just like, somebody made you mad. And you're like, not that you'd admit that. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I was in the moment. I was totally stubborn. I, I had an idea of where I wanted to go. I, I you know, back then, my, my goal was I wanted to have a bigger stake in the game. I wanted to have a, a larger decision power or, or decision making capacity within an organization. And I was striving to get to a level. I, I had made my decision that, that I wanted to reach a VP by a certain age. I wanted to be a, a, um, a leader of a group or a function at a certain age. And so in my mind, you know, that was my career path and it was really my mentor. And, and, you know, my mentor, we talk a lot about finding the right mentor. You know, I didn't find, I adopted. Uh, and I adopted somebody that had did some of the pivots that I did and had success at it. And so I really leveraged his mindset and his skill set to be able to custom craft where I was going. And, and I, like Amber, you said it, I was dreading every moment. I was scared. I was like, what are they going to say? This is an AP guy running an $80 million store. Like, what are they going to say with this guy? And, um, but I, I, I go back and I, I, in hindsight, I look back and I think that, you know, I was really nervous about not being comfortable in a space or being able to talk the same language or being able to, to, to understand the same reports. And once I got over that piece, you know, I, I, I really got there. And, and, and like you said, even today, you, you think back and you're like, like, wow, I, I made a really smart decision in a moment that I thought it was the dumbest out there. Uh, and look at where I am today. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's interesting because you look back at the map of executives and it is, it's, you find that the, I mean, I guess I would say, the younger even VPs had the operational experience earlier in their career, which is really interesting. So there's a lot there that I want to unpack for a second. So <laughs> thinking about two things, so I don't forget. One, um, I want to hear like how you got over this intrepidation of a totally new role, right? I mean, and maybe there's some concrete things in there. And the other is I want you to relate it to how being a store manager and walking that walk has translated into a better, more valuable experience as an LP person. I'll remind you of the second one because I said okay. I won't forget. Right. But start with the I'm first one that. of how to get over that that first part of being like, I don't know all the lingo. So the, the biggest thing for me in that moment 
was I had to take a pause and, and I had to take that humble pill. And I had to say, you know, like, like I, I, I thought in the moment that I was an expert of LP, you know, like people come in, they steal stuff, you catch them, you process them, you get them out the door and you reduce shortage. Like, like that was, that had become second nature for me, but taking that pivot into the selling side of the business, I had to look at it much differently. And that's where, you know, I, I talked about a second ago where you have to adopt mentors. So, you know, I, I, I went back to the drawing board. I said, like, looking at stores results in my organization, I said, you know, who has the, the, the best results at attracting the customer? Who has the best results at, at driving programs within the store? Uh, who's good at understanding reports and being able to use that data to drive them to the decisions that are going to sway the business for them within their four walls? And I put my finger on those. And those were the individuals that I I drew closest to. Those are the ones that became my best friends out of the pocket. Yeah. Uh, those are my phone buddies. You know, those are the guys that kind of mentored and developed me. And, and, and it goes back into the adopting the mentor. I, I didn't allow somebody to, to say what they were going to give me. I kind of reached out based upon what I needed to learn in order for me to grow and to really take ownership of this new role that I was getting into. Yeah, I love that. Because a lot of times people are like, well, I don't want people to think I don't know what I'm doing. Yes. So I'm not going to ask anyone any questions. And yes. then, they, then they're like, okay, they're getting bowled over by all this stuff. When if they just reached out and said, look, you know, and I think our society as a whole might be getting a little more, these millennials, they're changing the world. I don't know. They're making it okay not to know stuff, which where I come from, you're like, it's not okay. Not okay. Yes. <laughs> so talk a little bit about, you know, as your role now as VP, you know, how that operations experience truly relates to where you now, I mean, a little deeper than, hey, look, now they know I've been, <laughs> which which you can't, not saying that, take that lightly, because I think that is huge, right? When you're saying, okay, hey, here's what I need you to do. And the store manager's looking at you like, yeah, right. You don't know, we don't have the labor, we don't have the yeah. technology, you know? So how, how does it help you relate in that situation? The, the biggest piece is that, being able to be savvy at how you deliver a message and how you custom craft what the solution you're trying to bring to the organization. You know, you're able, for, for me, I'm able to pull from when I did walk in the shoes of an operator and, and, and face the challenges that an operator faces in the store. Or when I walk in the shoes of a GM and the challenges that a GM faces in the store, and then ultimately looking at the message that I'm trying to deliver from an asset protection stance and how I'm trying to deliver a solution within the store, you know, it, it helps me re be really grounded on the practicality of that solution and how I approach it and the support that I give that GM or give the business to look at what that solution could do for them in the long terms. Um, it also helped me, Amber, to, to really kind of look at how I delivered the message. So it, it's interesting. You know, a, a lot of times I, I coach other asset protection, loss prevention individuals on how they deliver the message to their GMs when, when they're coming in and they're saying, hey, we, we want to stop shortage over here. So we want to cable everything, tag everything, do all, all these steps. Um, in, in a GM's mind, you know, mentally, they're thinking about the loss of customer that, like you said, the labor, how it's going to hold back things. And so like mentally, you got to you got to try from the back doors. I tell people, I said, you know, approach it from what the financial impact could be. If we take this step, this is what the return on investment could be. And when you start speaking that language and, and really kind of relating from a number standpoint for those that think numbers all the time, you kind of get your message delivered in a much different uh, capacity and you get a lot more, uh, a higher level of adaptability to that message along the, along the way. And so that's, you know, that's just the approach. You know, that, that's what I do every day now uh, as I deliver solutions to the organization. I look at it from many different facets and then try to provide one that's going to meet 
the demand of each group and also be, you know, and deliver the message in a relatable sense that they're going to be able to understand what I'm trying to do at the end and what that ultimate return on investment is going to be or, or how we drive profitability with it. Yeah, I think a lot of times, you know, our industry thinks that all the grab and runs and the smash and grabs and all that stuff is sexy. And it is certainly to be able to say, hey, I have I need an ORC team or we're doing this stuff in ORC. But at the end of the day, right, it's really understanding the business side is what you're saying, right? The store manager needs to like, okay, yeah, all that's sexy and you're closing these cases, la la, but I still have a number to meet. Yeah, right. What does that have to do with me? Right, exactly. Totally. Yeah, it's it's funny when when I've I've had people present messages to a GM and then I've doubled back and I might have said the same exact thing they said it, but I approached it from a number standpoint and made it relatable to the GM and and. and the way that they receive the message or buy into the message, it's so different. And so like, like that's, you know, that's when I look back and I, I look at how I did things back when I was solely an AP guy, uh, that's the same mindset that I take as I coach new AP or up and becoming AP people for how to look at the business as a total business partner uh, to be able to deliver that message and get the solutions that are going to reduce, you know, loss and drive profitability. Yeah, certainly, because you guys are in a situation with, you know, Saxoff Fifth being a, you know, luxury brand that if somebody's running out with a crocodile handbag or something, <laughs> that's certainly, that's a pretty big deal. And from a numbers perspective, they can relate to that. Like, yes. definitely totally. a big deal. Okay, so I want to get to some of the questions because I know, knowing you, you probably prepared. I, I, I want to make sure that we get to some of this. But so life lessons leadership lessons that you live by. I always love these because everybody says something different, which you'd think you'd be like, oh, okay, I've heard that one. But it's really, you never do, which is why I love doing these. But um, okay, life, leadership lessons, go. Okay, all right. I'll give you two. Okay. Um, it, it's funny. And uh, younger, the, the same the same mentor, I could, I could change a reference, uh, who's near and dear to me. They, they mentored me in so many different ways throughout my career. Um, but they, they used to always close our mentorship sessions with two lines. Uh, they would say, always show up and never leave without making an impact. And, you know, so when I, I, I take that in and, and my younger self, I, you know, I, I heard that every time and I was like, okay, I, yeah, I always show up and, and I, you better believe I leave an impact. I'm like a bull in a China shop. I, when I leave, they know I left. Uh, and it wasn't until later in life, I really started to think about and ponder about that. And when you think about always showing up, I, I, I take that back into to the roles now of showing up as an authentic leader, showing up as a passionate leader, showing up as a person that is looking to to drive a solution, even when that solution might not be the most the most uh, appealing to, to the business partners in the moment, but showing up in a, in a way that authentically gives them uh, a, a sense of security that 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 I'm delivering an end result that's going to help them grow their business and drive profitability for them. And, and really looking at how, I, how do I show up for my team? How do I show up for, for those that I support? And really offering that best-in-class service, you know, whether it's to a, a selling business partner, an operational business partner, or my, in, my, my own team that I manage, uh, how, how do I show up in that best-in-class approach for them? And so I, I, that's, you know, that's one life lesson that I, I live by to this day. I, you know, my, my goal every day is to always show up, whether I'm showing up for my team or the business or the company, but to always show up and, 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 and to show out at times too uh, with some of the results that we deliver. Uh, and then the second 
second one there was, was never leave without making an impact. And so like, when you think about that at, at a surface level, we, we, at times we all feel that we do that every day. We make an impact at the business. We make an impact with some results or the people that we hire. But when you really think about, you know, what is that impact that's a, that it's a lifelong, lifelong or career impact for other individuals or business impact for other individuals. You know, I, I always think about how do I give that new AP person a, a nugget that they're going to be able to live with for the rest of their career that makes an impact on how they grow or makes an impact on how they think? Or how do I, how do I sway that general manager's thought process of, of, of their store, or their business that's going to make an impact on how they operate every day? And so like in, in everything that I, I do or lead or every function that, that, that I run with my team, I always look at a way that we can lead. We can walk away knowing that we left an impact or we left that lasting impression that's going to build a life cycle or a culture shift for how we do business long-term. Yeah. I love that. I think what's really neat too. And that I, and I, I find this too, is that you think about showing up and the impact that you leave evolving right over time, based on your perspectives and your uh, life lessons and stuff. I mean, like you said, I mean, I'm sure at this point, you're not a bull in a china shop, right? When you're, you're like, that's that's us younger, right? And then you yes. learn, oh, okay, this is how you go about that, which is really great. I mean, you think about uh, those two lessons that I think are super important. Um, okay, and it leads me to my next thing, which is really on the professional development side, because as I was doing research about you, um, you know, you're you're super involved in a lot of associations and professional development pieces. So I want to give you the platform to just kind of talk about that and what what's near and dear to your heart. And when you talk about making an impact, clearly it's not just within your organization, but the industry as a whole. Absolutely. You know, I I, I think back about my journey in asset protection. And uh, and and I had there was a point in my career where I was leaving asset protection to to go into law enforcement, uh, and I and you know that's I made that decision. I, I was going to leave. Um, this was only supposed to be a temporary stint, like most of us. Like we 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 <laughs> right. kind of fall into asset protection, loss prevention, uh, and and most of us say, yeah, we're going to do this for a little bit, uh, and then we're going to go law enforcement. We're going to go do something. You know, my 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 family is all from a background of public service, and so I was I was going back into into that industry. I was getting back into the public service realm, and I had a. a a mentor, and, and I keep referring back to John and, and, and how much, how critical he was within my growth and my development over time. But, you know, there, there were pieces of the conversation where he kind of left me with, um, when you think about your journey and you think about where you want to go and, and, and the impact that you want to make and, and, and how you want to get there or, or where you want to get there too, um, it, it, was, it was super critical for me to really think about um, one, where you want to go within your career, and then how do you impact others that are around you and really drive that influence. And so one thing that I really kind of leaned, started to lean into once I got into different roles within my career was not only how I could do things within the business, but how do I impact the communities around us? How do I impact those that are striving to get into this industry, but not given the chance to really get into the industry? Um, and then how do I look at 
more people that look like me uh, in leadership roles uh, within the industry. Because, you know, that when you think about you think about women in asset protection and loss prevention, there, there's a rarity of that. And you think about minorities in, 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 the, in the leadership rankings uh, in, in corporate America, there's a rarity of that, too. And so it's really for me looking at how do I now that, that I've built myself to this platform, how do I now use my voice and, and, and everything that I've learned along the way to be able to reach back and support others? So, you know, the, one thing that you'll notice uh, out there about me is I do a lot of give back. Uh, I, I'm very authentic about how I approach uh, uh, speaking about different topics that really surround where, where, where healing and education and growth can come uh, and, and giving back to the community, just like somebody gave to me an opportunity to get into this space and really kind of grow and thrive in it. Yeah, I think that's super important. And you can tell, you know, that you're passionate about it. It's not just, you know, a couple things on your CV, right? That you can put, (laughs) ah, I'm this, I'm that. I mean, it's, you can tell it's actually, you're actually in it. Um, Okay. So I am switching gears because I love this question. Um, Advice that you would give to your, I said 25 year old, but I mean, (laughs) what you're, you're not even that far away from 25 probably. So um, I don't know. We both say that about ourselves, right? We're we're super, we're super young still. Um, Anyway, I like this one because you always think, man, if I'd known that back then, right? right? And I always find that to be interesting because look, we have all kinds of levels and people listening to the podcast. And I always like to throw that out to, you know, it might be the regional out there going, yeah, I mean, I'll, you know, even um, the security manager at the store level, right? It's like, man, yeah. I, I see VP on my horizon like you did back in the day. Like, what would you tell that guy or girl? <laughs> I, I tell them, one, set your destiny. And, and don't allow anything to change where your end result is going to be. Um, you know, for, for, for me, I had wrote out a, a plan and it's, it's weird because I'm, I'm a planner. So don't, don't judge me with that. I, I'm with I, you, man. Are you kidding? Okay. <laughs> I do a lot of planning. So, so I, I planned out a lot of things. And, and one thing I, I planned out was I planned, you know, I wanted to be a VP by the time that I turned 35. It's like that, that was a plan. I wanted to get there. I wanted to be a functional leader of an organization by the time I turned 40. I, I wanted to, to, to be in a senior leadership role within an organization before my 45th birthday. Um, I have desires to, to, to sit on a board before my 50th birthday. And so like I, I made all these milestone plans and I kind of set my career trajectory to kind of get there. And so there was a lot of things that I had to do differently. I, I look back and I, I tell my 25 year old self, you probably could have got there sooner if you had done this or if you hadn't thought about that. Uh, but but I, I look at it and I say, you know, I, I shared earlier, I said, be comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, like thinking about how do you make those career pivots or those lattice moves within your career that are going to give you that experience to really kind of blossom and, and, and kind, of, kind of really kind of own your, your space that you're in and grow from there. And so I, I look back and I, I, I tell my, I would tell my younger me, and like you said, I, I, I look young, but we won't talk about age on me too. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I would tell my younger self, don't be nervous. Don't be nervous about growing. Don't be nervous about blooming where you're planted. And then take every moment you can to really reach out and get exposed to different levels of the business, especially if you're looking to grow and to set yourself or build out that career roadmap and don't change it. Set those milestones and accomplish them and, and really kind of, you know, move in the direction that you want to get to professionally long-term. Yeah, those are, those are great pieces of advice for sure. Um, okay, so I 
always find this to be interesting, but advice for solution providers, right? We did, I try to encourage because this is like a therapy session for all you executives that just can't answer your phone because someone's going to be in the area. But um, I'm curious, you know, when you think about solution providers trying to sell you stuff and other things that, you know, may or may not fit into the strategic vision of your program at yes. Saxoff Fifth. So what? What advice do you have for them? You know, it might be Saks Office specific or luxury brand specific, or I'm just curious, especially as you've, you know, had your career in those types of elements. I think, yeah, good, super good question. It's so funny because I get a lot of people that reach out to me uh, with solutions. Uh, the, the, the number one thing I'd say is, is really know your customer. Know that know who you are marketing a solution for, and make sure that that solution is a practical one for the business format. Uh, so you know, like like I said earlier, you know, Saxwell Fifth, you know, we are that uh, that destination for luxury off price fashion. That's us, and so like knowing who we are and what we represent could guide you towards solutions that could be applicable for our business. So uh, you know, we're, we're not we're not that full price department store. We're not those many other things out there within the industry. We we are that luxury that destination for luxury off-price fashion. And so knowing that can kind of custom or, or, or give a person the opportunity to curate that solution uh, that will be applicable for us. Yeah, so don't it come save to us you. Some time. Yeah, right? So <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't come to you with a big honker EAS device that you're going to put on some beautiful handbag, right? No. Like, <laughs> that I can't see how it looks on me. Yes. Or something that's going to require tons of people to touch. Like, give me a practical solution. Yeah. No, I love that. And, and I, you, you, you think some of this stuff, honestly, is a little common <laughs> sense, but it's strange, all the stories I get, which, which causes me to ask this question and then beg solution providers to listen um, yes. to the podcast anyway. All right. So here's a couple of fun ones. These are, okay. these are my wrapping it up questions right. that I love to ask. Um, okay. So if you... Oh man, I didn't even I didn't even send you these. So sorry, okay. but okay, oh, here we cool. go. Here Let's we go. go. Let's okay. do it. Okay. I'm ready. You got the old list. Sorry. Okay. Um best and so I'm gonna get so let me tell you them so then you can think of okay. it. Um All right. best career advice you ever got. Okay. Worst career advice <laughs> you ever received. And then if you weren't an LP executive, what yeah. would you what would you do? Okay, so we'll start with. Whichever one you want, because I, okay. I'm springing it on you. <laughs> Let's go with the best, the best advice I ever got. Okay. The best advice I, I ever got was stay humble, <laughs> stay humble. <laughs> and it, it's funny. I, I go back. I tell you, I told you I was a bull in a china shop when I was younger in my career. Like I, I was that loud guy that wanted to, to, to be known for that grab and run case. I chased down the parking lot or, or oh. did whatever it was. And <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what my bosses used to do. They used to, you did what? Um, and so like, you know, on, on the flip side of that, it was stay humble. And, and really grow and take the time to really learn and custom craft your art uh, so that you can understand the business in totality and really grow from there. So that was, that was by far, you know, staying humble in, in the business and really growing in the business was by far um, the best business advice I ever got. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you that the worst I got, <laughs> the worst I got was you need to get out of AP as soon as possible because AP is going to be extinct. Oh, when was that? Everyone, oh. people, I think if you believe that, like you're just still beating that drum and you're still yeah. saying it. Yeah. I don't understand yeah. that. So, so I, I sit back and I'm like, oh my God, like, like I've had 
the best career in AP. I've gone in different aspects of the business, and here I am back in AP all over again. It's not going away, especially looking at, at the culture of today and, and, and where, where things are across the industry. We, we, we'll be around in some capacity of, of risk mitigation. Uh, our, our roles will still be here. Yeah, finally now, too, that the media is actually uh, understanding ORC after, I don't yeah. know, 15 years. Okay, so if you weren't an LP executive, like sidebar, everyone knows mine. I so I think my whole thing. Okay, my whole thing was Uh wanting to be because I'm communication geek, right? But uh, White House press secretary. Okay. Okay. However, if you know me, (laughs) I would have gotten chewed up and spit out in the political arena. (laughs) So, so that's okay. It could be anything, Chris. Okay. What is it? All right. Don't laugh. I won't. I just told you mine. (laughs) All right. All jokes aside, I, I would be a coach. I love coaching. So like, like that, the biggest thing for me is, is like, and I don't know the sport, so don't ask the sport. Uh, I'm going to. Don't ask the sport, but I love coaching. I I am a a coach at heart. So, you know, like, like if I could, it'd be on a basketball game, I I would coach. If it's a football game, I'm going to, I'm going to coach. Like, like I would be a true, I'd I'd be somewhere working as a coach because uh, I I love being able to, to really kind of work with people and bring out the best version of them. Uh, out of themselves. And so like, that's, that's my passion. You know, you, you talked about it earlier when you, when you asked the question about uh, uh, giving back and what I do out there inside the community, outside of work, uh, it's, it's really given that lifestyle coaching that will help individuals really understand who they really are and have them show up differently. So I, I'd be a coach. I love that. I know. Okay. And, and plus your people that are on your team have got to love that about you because, yeah. you know, a lot of times it's like, you know, your boss looks up as you darken their doorway and they scowl <laughs> to be like, be gone. And you're like, well, I just need a second. I mean, right. Yes. yes. <laughs> it, it's funny. It's, it, I, I always look at it and say like, I want to be that leader that people are like, Hey, I want to show you something. Hey, let me, let me show you what we just did. What, what, what happened over here? This is, can I get your opinion upon that versus that guy that, like you said, like, don't call me, don't call him. Don't bring yeah. him in the mix. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Look, we really appreciate you stepping into the podcast hot seat, Chris. Thank you so much. And we appreciate uh, Sachs uh, off fifth for letting you come into the Talk LP <laughs> podcast um, hot seat. So thanks, everybody, for listening. You can follow us at Let's Talk LP. Don't forget to download the Talk LP news app for the latest breaking loss prevention headlines in the palm of your hand. You're crazy if you haven't downloaded it yet. All right, Chris, thanks again, man. We uh, we appreciate it, and we will talk at everyone later. Bye, guys. Cuz, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cuz no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.